Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are Joshua chapters 9 through 11. Rabbit Trails Joshua 9 verses 1 through 15. Notice in this passage that the Israelites did not seek the guidance of Yahweh first, but made the decision to form a covenant on their own. The Gibeonites held part of the territory within the Promised Land, and as a result, they were among the people dedicated to destruction. This ended up putting the Israelites in a position where they had to choose between breaking their covenant they had made in Yahweh's name or carrying out the destruction of the cities, which they had been instructed to do. This is a classic rock-in-a-hard-place situation and is what often happens when we make decisions on our own apart from Yahweh, which ends up causing us to have to live outside of His full will for our lives. I found an interesting quote regarding the deception that takes place in Joshua 9. It's by an author simply noted as Gerlach, and it reads, This account is a warning to the church of all ages against the cunning and dissimulation of the world, which often seeks for a peaceable recognition on the part of the kingdom of God, and even for reception into it, whenever it may be its advantage to do so. Just who did they make a covenant with? We go on to read in Joshua 10:2 that Gibeon was known as a great city, even greater than the much-feared Ai, and all of its men were known as mighty warriors. The reputation of Israel had spread so rapidly that now to have the warriors of such a great city offer themselves up as slaves to Israel caused the kings of neighboring territories to fear greatly. Joshua 10.7 in the ESV translation speaks of men of valor. Recall that this is the same word translated as virtue in the famous Proverbs 31 passage. That passage comes alive with far greater depth when we translate it as valor instead, in keeping with how it is translated everywhere else in the word. Don't take my word for it. Use Bible Hub to test it with the interlinear feature as I've shown you. Check out my Genesis 1 notes if you need a refresher on how to do that. Link to here. The sun stands still. Joshua 10 verses 12 through 13 reads, There has been no day like it before or since, when Yahweh heeded the voice of a man, for Yahweh fought for Israel. Wow. This whole passage about the moon and sun standing still is something that just takes my breath away to even think about. I can't help but pause and imagine what that was like. And then, to have the Father doing what Joshua spoke? Goodness! I have to marvel at the pure state of Joshua's heart and depth of his relationship with the Father to know that he could speak such things of his own accord. And then I consider how often I hear people ordering the Father around like he's their servant, when quite the opposite is true for anyone who would seek to follow him. We do not show the Father the reverence that is rightly due to Him. Joshua ten twelve through 13 There has been no day like it before or since, when Yahweh heeded the voice of a man, for Yahweh fought for Israel. 
Joshua eleven sixteen. As it has been before, it is difficult to read about hamstringing the horses. First and foremost, I do not question the Almighty, His wisdom, and His ways, but I do seek to understand Him as best as I am able. With that in mind, I looked into this further, and there is some quiet scholarly debate about whether or not the original intent of the word used in the text meant hamstring or castrate. I have found some examples saying that the Hebrew text originally said castrate, but it was consequently translated to hamstring. Now, these are very quiet, scholarly voices, and I have not been able to find any definitive proof. If anything, I found more proof to support hamstringing. But I did want to point that out, that there remains a possibility, however slight, of a translation error. Regardless, he is God, and we are not. I want to end with some insight from a group member and part of our admin team, Aletha Bass. She says, We are reading the account of the fulfillment of a long-held promise first given to Abraham. I was thinking about how the Israelites must have felt to go through the Jordan on dry ground, with the waters piled up behind the priests in the Ark of the Covenant. Were they remembering another crossing on dry ground through the Red Sea, when their feet first touched the soil of the Promised Land? Were they weeping and rejoicing, calling thanks to Almighty Yahweh for fulfilling the promise in their lifetimes? No sooner are they in the promised land than iniquity and sin occurs. Thinking about what it felt like to enter a long-awaited land of promise only to have someone disobey God's commandment. Yes, all the people were held accountable, but I wonder how the innocent felt to be held accountable for that sin. I can imagine how it would be today for a large group to be held accountable for the bad behavior of one person. Forgiveness is hard to find in those scenarios. Yahweh, it seems to me, was trying to teach a stubborn, stiff-necked people about obedience and forgiveness. The lesson is written over and over in scriptures, yet today many have not learned that lesson. It seems stubborn and stiff-necked people are still ignoring the lesson. When people talk about how many advances mankind has made over the centuries, they ignore the fact that they've forgotten to learn the lessons from the scriptures, that progress hasn't occurred in that area at all. When I see the unrest, the discouragement, the desire for more we see so often in our society, I'm saddened that we paid so little attention to the lessons God tried to teach mankind. Thank you, Aletha. We sure do love you. These notes were a bit briefer than I'd like as I was sitting in the back of a car on the way home from Michigan and it had gotten too dark for me to be able to read my Bible. I'm looking forward to the day when Ricky and I can implement our plan of traveling around a bit and meeting up with some of y'all, if the Father wills it. Test everything, hold tight to what is good, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.